Hello everybody and welcome to episode 5 of the Shiny Bees podcast, Poppy Pickers. Today is Thursday the 8th of November and coming up in today's show, we feel the fear, there's the return of the South Africa section, the Whipping Piccadilly section and the Shiny Bees pattern pick. Hello everybody and welcome to episode 5. A big welcome back if you are a returning listener and if you're a new listener, a big hello to you. I hope you'll enjoy being here with me today. It seems like it's been quite a long time since I spoke to you all. Uh, that's probably because it has. But thanks in the meantime for all the contact that I've had on the blog, via email and on the Ravelry group. Also, my thoughts are with all the listeners that have been affected by the storm in the US. And a big up to those knitters who, once they'd sorted out all of the food and water and everything and battened down the hatches, they uh, were all on Twitter saying how they were preparing their yarn, ready for their storm knitting. Which I think is, is very good storm spirit, in my opinion. I mean, why waste that time when you can be using it, some, doing something a bit more fruitful? You could knit yourself a blanket so you'll be warm when your electricity goes off. Or just make yourself a nice little hat. But I was very impressed with the storm spirit. My top tips for anyone who, in fact, the world, the only thing you ever, ever need in your life, the one gadget you need is a head torch, which I suppose is technically a head flashlight in the in the US, but it's a head torch in the UK. And you can do pretty much anything with a head torch. It is the only piece of equipment you will ever need. So I implore you, put it on your Christmas list, get yourself a head torch. It is the most useful thing ever. The Great Blackout Saga is not something that has been restricted recently to the US and we've had some electrical problems here in Limpopo as well. Well, specifically in the, the area that I live in. The We've had some electricians. I use the term loosely because after all of this happened, it became apparent that they didn't actually have any qualifications or any letters to prove that they're qualified at all and this is Africa and they were fixing the electrics again fix loose term and they managed to cause a surge in the system which has resulted in about five kilometers of underground wiring really high voltage wiring being completely fried massive underground fire melted concrete everything and the reason for this is that I think in the substation there are meant to be batteries that protect from surges and these batteries haven't been maintained so the charge went on them and they stopped doing their job. Now luckily the little smaller stations in the streets that change it from like a 11 kVA I think it is down to a 5 actually did the job of these, these batteries and these transformers and stopped it frying everyone's house electrics as well but because of the way that it's been done, they're going to have to dig up five kilometres of concrete and trees and everything else to repair these electrics. Luckily, my electric was only off for 28 hours. And again, luckily, it wasn't the usual temperatures that it is here because otherwise everything in the fridge and freezer would have gone off. And I'm British, so I tend not to like hoard things too much in the freezers or anything I, I just got, still go to the shop even though it's 30k away I just I just go into the shop and buy new things every week some of the people here because obviously we're in Africa and we take our meat very seriously have lots of meat in the freezer and by lots of meat I mean an entire wildebeest 
one of my friends had to take an entire frozen wildebeest, cut up into, into parts that you can actually lift, into town to their friend's house to keep it in their deep freeze because obviously it, it was going to get defrosted and how do two people eat an entire wildebeest before it goes off because you've got no fridge to keep it cold in. So yeah, that's a bit interesting. It also My electricity is back on but... The electricity that powers the repeater for the internet, because it's a wireless internet here sent from town, that power isn't working, so the internet is up and down all the time. And even when they finally got it fixed, I think, about a week ago, now they're saying someone's stolen the, the telecom wires in town, so they can't send the internet from town to here, and it just seems like there's always an excuse why they can't send it. But that means that I've been quite nervous about uploading the podcast because we're on our little mobile dongle, which is even more expensive than the other internet, which doesn't work. And I don't want it to cut out halfway through because it'll just be a complete nightmare. So I'm quite worried about that. So I've recorded this and I'm hoping to quickly throw it up once the other internet comes back on. If the other internet comes back on. So all the blogging that I had planned hasn't really had chance to happen because I've either not had internet or I've not had electricity or or whatever else. It's just another comedy day in Africa, really. So a few people have been asking about the recipe uh, for Malva pudding, which Justice did in the last episode. I will put that up. It will be up by the time this goes out because I think I'll be able to get that up on the mobile dongle without it cutting out. And hopefully we'll have a few more bits and pieces for the blog in the meantime before this goes up. We've also been really busy here with the Santa Shoebox project, which I mentioned in episode 3. I said that I was doing the Santa Shoebox project, but what I didn't tell you is that I'm actually a coordinator for it. So we set it up in my local town this year. It's the first year it's been done. And so I've been shopping for and building boxes for all of the people in the UK. Some of my family and friends have sent money for me to build them a shoebox because they saw what I was doing on Facebook. And so I've built 33 boxes <laughs> for them, which isn't as much as the Swedish lady who built 90. That is a lot of shopping and wrapping, I can tell you. And we've had to collect all of the other ones in for the town that other people have done and check them all and make sure they're all right so that all the kiddies get the the same box basically well not 100% the same but they all get a certain amount of things in it and all the things that are specified are in there and that there's nothing that breaks the rules in there which is quite a long job and so we spent two days in town collecting those in it was really good fun but like I say a lot of work and by the end of it I was sick of seeing shoe boxes and there are still there's about 100 shoe boxes in my spare room and there's a lot in my dining room as well that I haven't finished putting bits in because sometimes people do forget to put things in. So then I have to put the extra bits in that need to go in. Or they'll they'll sometimes put in like a adult toothbrush for a two-year-old because sometimes people just don't really make that connection. So they see a toothbrush and buy a toothbrush, but show me a two-year-old that can get an adult toothbrush in their mouth. So we obviously change those so they don't get wasted because there's no point sending them something that they can't really use. So we're organising the parties for that as well, the celebrations where we go and drop off all the boxes. So that will be very exciting in the next couple of weeks. I'll tell you about how that goes in one of the future podcasts.
in a further follow-up to the charity stuff we were talking about in episode three, I found a link on, I think it's the UK Hand Knitting Association website, which links to people who are doing charity knitting projects in the UK. So if you don't want to get involved with the Knit Along and Crochet Along for Knitter Square, which we are doing on the Ravelry group at the moment, then you might want to do something for this because obviously it's local to the UK rather than sending things abroad. The Knit Along and Crochet Along is going quite well. A few people have done squares already. I'm very impressed. And I've sorted out my stash and I've got a big bag full of odds and ends that I'm going to use up, or not so odds and ends that I'm going to use up making these squares or rather getting other people to help me make these squares as well. So there are going to be some some AIDS children with some really fancy blankets. There's some Noro in there and all sorts, but I just don't like it. So, and it's really bright. So I think they will, they'll enjoy it. So I'm going to make my squares out of that, which I'm quite looking forward to. Also recently launched in the UK and it is a project that I support a lot and is I think is a really important project is the Poppy Appeal in the UK which is the appeal run by the Royal British Legion to raise funds to help service personnel and ex-armed forces veterans and their families of any age with whatever they need really and the Poppy Appeal launches at the end of October usually in the UK ahead of uh, Armistice Day which is the closest Sunday to the 11th of November the British Legion, as I mentioned, is the UK's leading service charity and it provides practical care, advice and support to serving members of the armed forces, veterans of all ages and their families. And it's not just like it used to be at one time, especially when I was younger, where it was remembering fallen soldiers of World War One and World War Two and about old people. These days, with the conflicts in Iraq and Afghanistan, it's a lot more about young people and very young soldiers and airmen and sailors who have injuries and need help, as well as still, you know, anyone of any age that needs the, the help of the British Legion. All of the poppies that you can buy in the two weeks leading up to Remembrance Sunday are made in the Poppy Factory, which is in Richmond in Surrey, and it's the 90th anniversary this year of them making poppies there. Since 2007, the Poppy Factory has also been placing wounded, injured and sick ex-military personnel of various ages and backgrounds again into jobs all around the UK. So helping people who maybe can't continue their career in the Army, Air Force or Navy transition into civilian life, which is a really important cause. Poppies, as you know, are for sale in the couple of weeks leading up to uh, Armistice Sunday and you'll often see People on TV and celebrities will start to wear their poppies then as well. But obviously that's only two weeks of the year and normally I like to pimp up my poppies as well and I'll decorate them with glitter and make them all shiny for when I'm going out and then I have an ordinary one for during the day because it's not too bright. But if you go to the poppy shop, which I think is poppyshop.org, I'll put a link in the show notes, you can get lots of other poppy related products and the one that I will recommend strongly <laughs> to get is the Poppy Jute bag which is £2.49 per bag and it is 30 centimetres by 30 centimetres by 15. I have about eight of these bags and they are absolutely awesome. They're really strong, they're really well made, they are lined on the inside so that they don't leak if anything in your bag leaks. They make brilliant project bags 
and they're really good for shopping because I found some of the other bags you get in maybe in the supermarket are quite large and if you put a few tins in it then you can't carry it or it stretches or it breaks whereas these ones that just doesn't happen I'm also not entirely sure why but the vendor ladies in particular here absolutely love these bags and whenever I get them out in the supermarket to pack my stuff they ask where they're from and can they have it when I'm done with it and all this kind of stuff they're, they're really pretty and like I said they're really well made and it's definitely £2.49 well spent in my opinion there is other stuff that you can get on there some of which is not to my taste particularly but I, I find these really useful and like I said they make really good project bags as well so go and have a look at that for the essay slash Jaws Random babblings for this week is partly brought to you by Ian Brown of the Stone Roses and partly brought to you by a couple of my friends the theme for which is fear now fear or f-e-a-r was the first single from Ian Brown's third solo album which was released on September the 17th in 2001 it's an awesome song in October 2011, the NME placed it number 67 on its 150 best tracks of the past 15 years. Now the song, the first letter of each word in each line spells out the word fear. And I've picked out a couple of my favourite ones to share with you. So for each a road, forget everything and remember, for everything a reason. I think it's a really good song. It's quite clever, but simple at the same time. But as I said, the inspiration for this essay was brought by some of my friends and some recent happenings that have gone on. So I think we should start by defining fear. And apparently fear is an emotion induced by a perceived threat that causes animals to move quickly away from the location of the perceived threat and sometimes hide which is according to wiki. Thank you for that wiki. According to surveys, the most common fears are ghosts, the presence of evil powers, cockroaches, I kind of see that one, you stamp on them and stamp on them, they don't die, that's kind of weird. Spiders, yeah, not keen on those either. Snakes, don't mind snakes. If you have spiders in your house here, though, it means that you don't have a snake in the house. If you don't have spiders in the house, it means you do have a snake in the house. But as we know, I quite like snakes, so it doesn't matter. Heights, water, enclosed spaces, tunnels, bridges, needles. Totally subscribe to that one. They don't hurt. It's just the thought of them sticking in your body. It's horrible. Social rejection, failure, exams and public speaking. One that I haven't put on there, which I think should definitely be on there, because I know a few people like this, is clothes. How creepy are clothes? Seriously, they're meant to be there to en entertain children, but they're so horrible and scary. I mean, clearly a lot of stuff does come from Hollywood and, and what people tell us should be scary, i.e. the snakes and, and the clones. But they're still really creepy. I find clones worse scary than snakes. Now, there is also a situation where you can have a temporary loss of fear, which 
usually happens when you're saving someone else's life. So if a mother and their child, for instance, if the child is in mortal peril, the mother will forget about being scared and saving herself and will go and try and save the child, even though it could be really dangerous to do so. Again, Hollywood would have us believe that this happens a lot more often than I think it does because everyone's terribly brave and always saving someone in the films. A successful approach to overcoming fear is to repeatedly confront the fears in a safe manner to suppress the fear-triggering memory. I'm not going to start cuddling spiders and clowns to do this, but apparently it does work. I've picked out a couple of quotes about fear that I will share with you. The first one I will share with you now, and it's from a famous South African, Madiba Nelson Mandela, who said... I learned that courage was not the absence of fear, but the triumph over it. The brave man is not he who does not feel afraid, but he who conquers fear. I think he's got it pretty much on the button there, really. And I agree with a lot of what he's saying. As I said, a lot of things have happened recently. Some of my friends have made quite big decisions about changing their lives and changing their careers and going from really well-paid jobs with a certain element of security into other jobs because they just don't feel like they are a good fit for that job anymore, which is scary when you have sort of responsibilities and bills to pay and everything like that. And quite often it can be easier to do nothing than to do something which seems scary or to have a plan about doing something, but never quite get round to doing it because you're a little bit scared of what might happen and you would rather do nothing than try something and fail. I'm quite often asked by people, why did I start a podcast? (laughs) And I don't really know why I decided that it would be a good idea. But I know that I wanted to do it for a long time before I actually did. And part of the reason that I didn't do it was fear. And it's fear of what people will think. Fear of telling people things about myself that I don't know all around the world. Fear of being judged for not being suitably qualified at knitting to do a podcast and a lot of the fear of haters gonna hate type things because I know some of the other podcasters have had really like mean things written about them on the internet or you know things like that that you just think I don't actually need that kind of negativity in my life but one of my friends got very ill Uh, unexpectedly and I'll talk about that in a bit later and another one of my friends died in a plane crash and I remember the one that died he had put on a picture in our favourite pub that we've not been to for ages and on one day on, on Facebook and three days later he was dead and he was only 27 and I just got to thinking if I keep thinking about what other people think and worrying about what people will say about me I will never do anything So, I don't really care. If you don't like the podcast, don't listen to it. I'm not offended. If you think I'm boring, fine. I'll probably think you're boring as well. And if you do like it, then you do like it. But the whole point is, is I'm not doing it for other people. This is something I wanted to do for myself. And once I thought about that and thought about, if I crashed my plane tomorrow, what would I wish I'd done? I wish I would have done a podcast because I wanted to do it. So... That was part of the inspiration as well for this part of the episode. And that's not to be sort of miserable or pull you down when you're crafting, but the kind of crafting link to it is, is a lot of the time we don't try things in our 
everyday lives or in our crafting because we're scared they won't turn out nicely. And the classic example is having a really nice piece of fabric or a really nice skein in your stash and you're too scared to get it out and play with it and do something with it in case you ruin it. If you crash your plane tomorrow, you will not be sad that you ruined the skein. You'll be sad that the skein is there unfulfilled forever. So get out the fabric, get out the skein and just have a try at whatever it is that you want to do. If it all goes wrong, you can rip it back. If it completely, completely goes wrong, you can always buy another one or get something else instead. But rather do something than not, because you never know when that skin is going to be left unfulfilled. So I think everyone should go, go to your stash now, think about your stash, find that skin, find that piece of fabric, get it out and give it a cuddle and make a resolution to do something with it now before it becomes unfulfilled. I'm not the only person that thinks this. I found another quote that I quite like from a guy called Norman Vincent Peale, who was, he literally was 95, there was an American doctor, and he wrote a book about positive thinking. I haven't read the book, but I quite agree with this quote. And he said, action is a great restorer and builder of confidence. Inaction is not only the result, but the cause of fear. Perhaps the action you take will be successful. Perhaps different actions or adjustments will have to follow. But any action is better than no action at all. So on to the Whipping Piccadilly section. This will be a very quick canter through the current works in progress and a longer explanation of one of the finished objects which I'm very very proud of and pleased to have been a part of and it's been secret up to now. So if you've been wondering why there's not been a lot of stuff going on here or apparently a lot of, not a lot of stuff going on it's because we've been working on that. The damask shawl is not finished it is having a siesta. I wanted the tips off the end of it and I just decided, you know what, I want to I want to cast on the stripe study. Life is too short and if I crash my plane, I want to have started the stripe study so I'm going to start it. So I did. And Damask is sleeping. As I've mentioned, I cast on the stripe study which is a pattern by Vera Valamaki. I chose two colours for that. There was the red warmth which was part of the Nurturing Fibres Seasonal Sock Club for the Basutu Blanket which I've mentioned several times. And... Also, Jelly Bean, which is a colourway from Nurturing Fibres. Again, 100% Super Twist Sock Wool. I started the project and knitted, knitted, knitted on it and was really enjoying it. It does go quite quickly. I was loving the colours of the Jelly Bean yarn. They just, it's this kind of ball of yarn that makes me feel really giddy when I knit with it. I just love looking at it. In fact, several times I've thought, shall I not just stop this and get one of those 3D frames that you get? The picture frames and just put the ball of wool in there and put it on the wall so I can just look at it because that's all I ever want to do. I just want it to stay the way it is forever. Uh, but I've decided to knit with it. I got through a couple of repeats of the, the jelly bean yarn and then started to think that I didn't like the way it was turning out. I don't really like garter stitch. I don't know why I do projects with it because I obviously don't like it. And the bumps and the texture were completely detracting from the colours in the jelly bean yarn. Which, again, I probably should have known that that was going to happen, but I just wanted to press on with it anyway. And the colours do look nice together, but they don't look great with the garter stitch. So I decided to frog it and change the pattern 
so that the jelly bean yarn would all be in stocking stitch and most of the other parts of the pattern would be in stocking stitch as well. So I changed the pattern and I was warned to swatch but I didn't. Swatching is for sissies. Normally I just start the project because I'm way too impatient and then once I've got to about 10 centimetres I measure it afterwards and see if it looks right or not because I know that I knit to more or less gauge anyway so I never really bother. I'm sure that is like killing a baby dove in some kind of knitting laws but that's what I do and I, I, I don't feel the need to justify myself any further. This time I was wrong. I should have swatched it because now I've done a bit of it the gauge is too loose with the 4mm needles so I'm going to have to take that down to 3mm because the stitches are too holy if that makes sense. You can see through them and I think the colours will look better if you can't see through the stitches so I'll be ripping that back and starting again. I like the pattern though, it is very easy to follow and it will be a quick knit once I get going on it again. The owls is still ongoing, nothing fundamental to report on that. And the socks for Millie are also going well. I've done one of them and I will be casting the other one on probably today. And I'm loving the colours on that. That I changed the pattern in the end to a patterns pattern for striped and jacquard socks which I will link to in the show notes. I don't really like the way they did the heel on that because it made it a bit hard to uh, pick up the stitches or harder than it has been with other patterns but other than that the fit and everything seems to be working quite well. We will do the toe and see if his feet do fit in it. I think it's going to be fine but he has that size 11 feet so it is a long, long sock. The finished object that I want to tell you about is uh, its just really, really cool. I haven't really got any other words to describe it. It is The Love Train, which is a pattern by Susan Ashcroft, who is known as Stitch Nerd on Ravelry. Now, you remember way back when I started the podcast, I was doing a show for a friend of mine who wasn't very well. And it was the Faraway Saw Close show that I did. And that was finished quite early on and I did that pattern on the suggestion of some of the ladies in the Nurturing Fibres group because I find it very difficult to find a pattern to knit for a sad reason if that makes sense. So I was really struggling, I said look what should I knit, I don't know what to knit, this is the situation, this is my, my friend, she's pregnant, she's very very unwell and it I wasn't there when she was sick and I feel bad about it and I want to make her something so that next time I'm not there, if something happens, she will have it and it will be like I'm there. So the, the Far Away So Close was suggested and I decided to do that, one, based on the fact it's a comfort show so I thought that was very appropriate, but also one of the girls suggested doing a pattern by Stitch Nerd, which wasn't the love train, it was a different one, but she linked to the pattern in the forum post. So Susan came into the group and read about what we were trying to do, uh, what I was trying to do at the time, it turned into we afterwards, and said to me, oh yeah, that's one of my patterns, it's really nice, but for this situation I would recommend the love train pattern, which is a pattern for a simple sort of shawlette, really, it's like a crescent shaped with most of his garter stitch or at least half of his garter stitch but it, it works for this pattern it didn't work for the, the other ones I was doing it looks nice and the bottom of it is a love heart shaped lace pattern quite simple 
and she said to me if you decide to do it I will give you the pattern for free as a gift for your friend because I think it's nice what you're trying to do for her which we all thought was absolutely amazing and thank you very much Susan for doing that because it was completely sort of not uncalled for in a bad way it was you know it wasn't like I was asking for any for us to come and donate a pattern she just came in and said you know what I'll give it to you for nothing if for your friend just crack on I hope you enjoy it which was really really nice I think it's good when designers have got the time for people who are knitting their patterns and follow up on all their ear burns and everything and I think it's a really special thing for people to do that and to take the time out to see what people are making with their patterns really so I had this pattern and because she offered to give it to me I thought I really want to make this for her as well because this is like a gift from Susan so in the meantime a lot of the other ladies have been asking and saying is there anything we can do for your friend can we send her anything does she need any money for medical aid or anything like that because in South Africa there's definitely a two-tier healthcare system there's the government healthcare system and then there's the private healthcare system and luckily she's she's completely sorted with all that it's not a problem she's getting very good care but I could tell the ladies because they're just so nice they really wanted to do something so I suggested that we all I was I would start off this shawl and it could be a traveling shawl and everyone could knit on it and then that could be their way of you know sending good positive vibes and everything to my friend and I picked out some yarn from the UK that I brought a special skein that needed to be liberated. Um, we were about to start it and Carlay from Nurturing Fibres, who we all know that I love, and this is part of the reason why, and if you're probably wondering why I've got such a bad yarn crush on her, that this is part of the reason why, because she is just such a lovely person as well as making beautiful yarn. And she said, no, if, if it's okay, I would like to donate some yarn and I would like to custom dye it for your friend and I want to donate the yarn, please. Which I was like totally blown away by and said that would be really nice, thank you very much for doing that. And knew it would be beautiful yarn because it's one of hers. Didn't realise that she'd actually decided <laughs> that she wasn't going to give us any old yarn. No, no, she was going to give us two bowls of Nurturing Fibres Cashmere Lace, 100% cashmere, two-ply yarn. Which is possibly the softest thing I have ever touched in my life. And it is just beautiful to knit with. And the fabric that comes out of it is so soft. And the colours were so nice. She dyed a really dusky pink colour. Which is just the perfect colour for my friend. She's, I've seen her wearing that colour a lot. It really suits her. And I don't know how Carly knew that. Because she's never met her. None of the girls here that took part have met her. But it is definitely, it's totally her colour. And from then on, the whole thing began to snowball even more. The ladies in Cape Town were planning a train ride to Fishhook from Cape Town. And Fishhook is further down the peninsula from Cape Town. And everyone was going to get on at their respective stops and meet up. And they were going to go to Fishhook because there's a wool shop there and have tea and cake and knit for Worldwide Knitting Public Week. So they took the yarn and the pattern and cast on the love train on the train to Fishhook. And they knit on it all the way there and knit on it in the shop and there were people that aren't even on Ravelry who came in the shop who had a bit of a go at it. 
and then they knit all the way back and she sent it up to me. I then curried it down to Hauteng to Pretor well Midrand in between Pretoria and Joburg to hand over to the ladies there because there's another group of ladies around the Hauteng area who also all knitted on it and passed it around and did their rows on it. We also agreed to knit for the ladies who live abroad who wanted to be part of the project but because of the risk of sending something like that abroad and the time it would take I decided I didn't want to do that but I didn't want them to miss out so we did proxy knitting for the ladies abroad as well. Carla also donated a project bag which everyone wrote their name on and then we've embroidered over their names with embroidery floss so she will have this project bag with the names of all of the ladies who'd knit on it on there and they're embroidered so even if she washes it they'll still always be there. I've also written out the story of all of this for her because it's quite a lot to take in when you're telling someone the tale. So I hand wrote that out for her to keep with her shawl. And Rachel, our youngest Shiny Bees listener, also knitted. She did a bit of the pearl, pearl back row on the shawl so she's also on the project bag. I told you she was good. And we've given it now to, I finished it and washed it and blocked it. Well, washed it very gently in soak and blocked it and gave it to my friend who is absolutely blown away by the whole thing and really thrilled. All of us ladies who did it think it must be like a superhero cape by now because of the positive kind of thoughts and loves and prayers that have gone into the show whilst it was being knit for, for her. And I just think it's amazing that these ladies who didn't even know me very well at that point either just wanted to help and do something nice for someone that they've never even met which is just amazing I think that's something that's kind of unique to to knitters in a way they do just tend to do these amazing things just out of the goodness of the heart just because they like it and so I would like to offer a very very big thanks to all of the ladies that were involved in the project and the proxy knitters to Susan Ashcroft for donating the pattern and to Carlay from Nurturing Fibres for donating the yarn it's been a very, very special project and I know that my friend absolutely loves it and she's very grateful for it. So, thank you very much for that. In other news, we have been doing a bit of sewing here as well. I made some bunting and I made an apron for the apron swap as part of the Caithness Craft Collective apron swap. I posted it about four weeks ago and it's not got there yet, it was going to America. I'm really quite worried about it because of you probably heard on the news about the Marikana strikes and all of miners being killed and the police and the clashes and everything. Well, there's been strikes in other mines, but there's also been strikes in the transport sector with the truckers and some people have been pulling truckers out of the trucks and killing them and yeah, that's been really nasty and the municipality have had strikes. Not, I think that you'll probably notice if the council workers went on strike here, but apparently they have been. And um, some of the postal service people have been on strike as well, which has meant that some posts have been stuck here and there. I know my husband's waiting for something that's been in Cape Town for over a week at the hub. And one of my other friends has a friend up near Messina at the border with Zimbabwe, who has a very unusual surname. And she didn't get any any posts for, for weeks. And then a massive bag of posts turned up. And she had all of the posts for that surname for the whole of South Africa in her post bag. So I'm really hoping that it will get there. Because I spent ages on that apron. I designed it from scratch. 
my own pattern and I can't get the fabric again to make it because it was charity fabric that I bought these bandanas for that I mentioned a few episodes ago so I really hope it gets there but we'll see hopefully it will just got stuck between the postal strike here and the storm there and it will turn up in the next few days and I've been uh, not knitting sewing even a tracksuit top to match the tracksuit bottoms that I made it's quite a simple sort of construction but I've had to do quite a lot of altering because the sleeves and things were quite baggy so I'm just ongoing with that really but I'm quite enjoying it I have some other projects planned some of which are secret and I can't share with you yet because they are for another swap that I'm doing but once I've done that and I'm designing a pattern for this thing and what have you I will share the pattern I think on the blog once it is done So the return of the South Africa section. As you know I recently went to Cape Town and during that trip we went to visit Stellenbosch which is situated in the Cape Winelands and along with the Paal and Franschhoek Valleys makes up the larger of the two wine growing regions in South Africa. There are lots and lots of wine farms where you can go and taste the wine and Stellenbosch itself is situated about 50 kilometres to the east of Cape Town. Luckily for us, one of our friends went to university there, so he was pretty spammed up after three years of being at university uh, on the different wine farms and where's good and when, where is not so good to go because Stellenbosch University is one of the main Afrikaans, well, probably the main Afrikaans university in South Africa. Stellenbosch itself is a very, very beautiful area, quite Mediterranean looking and a very nice place to go and drink some wine. <laughs> the South African wine industry as a whole produces 1 billion litres of wine annually and take it from me, the wine is very nice. You don't get a lot of it in the UK, a lot of choice compared to European wines or the complete rubbish you get from California frankly. <laughs> but it is worth trying, it's a little bit more distance it has to travel and the import tax and things than a bottle of French would be but you will not regret it believe you me. So we visited a few different farms. We visited Uvamira, which is at the top of this, or near the top of a mountain, and it had a really amazing view. And the wine was okay, I think, there. I couldn't taste a lot of it because I was the designated driver. So it wasn't much fun watching my husband and my best mate on, on the smash, basically, while I'm sat there drinking water, looking after the baby, but hey. Uh, we also went to Ernie Ells, which is owned by a golfer, I think. Didn't think their wines were that great but the estate was extremely impressive and nice we went to guardian peak their wine is better a bit more value for money and they had a really nice restaurant there as well so i would recommend that in the afternoon we went to waterford which do a chocolate and wine tasting experience so i actually joined in with that one and that was quite good and it was in a sort of faux tuscan type courtyard setting it was quite all of the, the farms are quite different in terms of their decor and their layout and things and obviously in a place where you're going to try and get people to part with a lot of money for wine they tend to be very nicely decorated and I'm very interested in interior design so it's quite interesting for me to see how they've gone about creating the correct ambiance in each of the places and we ended up at Rustenburg which I think had the nicest wines out of the ones we tried in my opinion obviously you know, I'm not a 
what's the word, sommelier or anything, but I quite liked it there. And that was in a really sort of 1920s looking farm and they had beautiful gardens, you could go and walk in there. So we got quite a bit of wine from there as well. We actually went to Stellenbosch on two different days because we liked it so much. And it's definitely worth a visit if you are in or around the Cape Town area. Along with the Constantia Winery is cl much closer to Cape Town. This is further east from Cape Town, but it's definitely worth going because it's got a completely different sort of vibe to the Cape Town kind of area itself. Who knows, you know, maybe we could do a drums section like Caithness Craft Collective, but with, with the vino instead. We'll have to see how that goes. But I can definitely give you my recommendations for what I'm currently liking, based on no academic or study whatsoever other than drinking a lot of wine here. As we did a couple of episodes ago with the China Bees Big Five, and given that it is featured quite a lot in this episode, I've decided to do the China Bees Poppy Pattern Collection. There are quite a lot of poppy patterns, much, much more than there are uh, rhino patterns, etc. And I have my pick of a few of those for you today. And there will be a return of a popular theme in the pattern descriptions and the pattern picks for the Shiny Bees podcast. The first one I've picked is Cold Poppy by Isolde Teague, which is not a poppy, it's a doll. Uh, the price for that pattern is £3.75, or it is £9 for the ebook, and it is in Whimsical Little Knits. It is a little dolly that's knit in the round, seamlessly, top down in DK weight. The reason it has made it into the poppy pattern is it is called poppy, but uh, poppy is the Afrikaans word for doll. So I thought that was quite funny. So I just thought I'd throw that one in there to start with. Then we have a resident South African designer that's been featured in the last pattern pick, Belinda Dawkins, or Mama for Earth on Ravelry. She has a poppy flower pattern, which is $3.50, or $10.99 in her book, Knitting Flowers, which is a poppy with a stem. If you want to go down the sock route, we've got number 21, Poppy Socks by Cookie A which is a free pattern from Knit One, Spring Summer 2009. Or if you want to do some proper charity knitting, you can get the Poppy pattern by Susan Crawford of Knit on the Net, which is a 3D pattern work flat. It costs $5, but all the proceeds of that go to the Royal British Legion Poppy Appeal. So you get my vote, Susan. Looking further into the knitwear, there is the Persian Poppy Shawl by Kay Facet. So you can imagine what this is like. It's extremely colourful, uh, but it's actually quite nice. I wouldn't knit it because it looks hard and it is a bit bright for me. It comes in the book Glorious Knitting and it is a triangular stranded colourwork shawl. Like I say, it's quite pretty. It's, it's quite nicely done, but I think it's where I... It with both my patience and my actual knitting ability. And finally, because why, for a start, <laughs> it is a return to that old theme of sweaters for animals with the poppy cat sweater by Fiona Harlan. It is a free pattern 
and it's publishing Adventures in Knitting Land. There is only one project for this. It was the one that she knitted for her friend's cat. Uh, the jumper is actually quite cute, but on a cat? Really? <laughs> I thought cats spent all their time in one place anyway. I'm not entirely sure why they would need a sweater because it's not like you have to take them out for a walk like a dog. And I'm not anti-dog sweaters, I'm just anti-silly dog sweaters. <laughs> but a cat sweater with an intarsia poppy on it for the cat called Poppy? Possibly not what I would make. It's in 14 cubes though, and it will end up being in mine, so I can put it into the set. But yeah, random. Worth having a look at. Again, the cat doesn't look entirely impressed at being in this cat sweater, but... You know, like I say, it does look quite nice, nicely designed. I just don't see the kind of utility in it personally. But there you go. So that was my wrap-up of the Shiny Bees Poppy Patterns for November. So that brings us to the end of the episode for this week. Thank you all very much for listening. It's been really nice to have you here and if you're a new listener I hope you've enjoyed it and I look forward to speaking to you all again very soon. So happy crafting, feel the fear and do it anyway. Bye! You've been listening to the Shiny Bees podcast. Show notes of the podcast can be found on the blog at shinybees.wordpress.com. I'm Shiny Bees on Twitter and Ravelry, or you can email me at shinybeesinfo at gmail.com.